0: Welcome back, or welcome front, if it's the first time joining us. As always, myself, Joshua, Jack, Alan. Hello. And we have a we have a friend today, Dave Gilbert. You probably wow know.
1: royalty, adventure game royalty. In our exactly,
0: <laughs> gentlemen. This is the Adventure Game Hotspot Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm a royal something. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> um, I'm doing good. Thank you, <laughs> Jack. How's it going in Toronto, Canada?
1: Uh, you know, it's going OK, but I got to warn you, like I literally just vacuumed the place and I was like doing these hard to reach crevices and it was kicking up all this dust. So I'm like really clogged up right now. So if you get besieged by a raft of sneezes, that's why I will try and mute if that happens.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? The the allergies, the allergens in the air right now, at least in in the Midwest where I'm from, is at an all time high. My oh, poor yeah. wife has been walking around the house with her hand like this, <laughs> like the whole time. <laughs> quickly, quickly washing, washing her hands every single time. Poor thing. But no one wants to to hear about us, you know, our sneeze attacks. We <laughs> no. want to talk adventure games, and that's what we're going to do today. We all have right. Dave Gilbert, Watch It Games, one of the great developers, of, I, I guess it's pretty safe to say of all time, and currently <laughs> banging out hits.
2: I don't know about all time, but thank you.
0: <laughs> so with Dave comes a whole bunch of of, of industry goodies, knowledge and, and and some fun thoughts. And we're gonna we're gonna freeze, apparently. <laughs> Hello. That's an interesting expression. That is not <laughs> that's not a good place to to, to freeze on. Let's hope it's it, it <laughs> we could all make up.
2: that same expression just for yeah. solidarity. Oh, man, it really shows my age. <laughs> and, look, that, that guy just hit 40. <laughs> right hey, I'm, I'm 47, so. <laughs> um,
0: well, Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your company.
2: Okay, well, uh, I'm 47. Um, I've lived <laughs> in New York most of my life. And <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that expression is just, just wonderful. Let's, um, let's change that. oh there we go um yeah i lived in new york most of my life i grew up on long island i started wadget um about 2006 uh just because i i started making adventure games for fun around 2001 started selling them around 2006 because i couldn't envision really doing anything else and i'm still doing them like 18 years later which is wild successfully i mean you have to be you have to have a A strong level of success to be
0: doing anything for 18 years, but you're just you're throwing out bangers every single time.
2: Not every single time, but I mean, most of the time we haven't really had. Well, we've had a few. Mm -hmm. We've um we had never had. We have have had a few like games that didn't do well. Mm -hmm. Um, but fortunately, we've managed to like stay in business and and keep going and make the next one. Uh, so like we're not you know, super successful. You know, it's, it's like a, the reason why I think I've managed to do well is because we've kept our costs and and team very small. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we, we've, we do okay. We do, I mean, I think we, we do pretty well. I mean, I shouldn't, we do well enough to stay in business for this long, uh, working in a very niche space. So I guess, I guess that's something.
1: I don't know exactly when it happened. I think it might've been, I think I noticed it at least right before Unavowed that, That you became sort of a name that was promoted on its own, like a new Dave Mm -hmm. Gilbert game and a new Wajidai game, and mainstream sites were picking it up too. It wasn't so niche anymore. Did you notice that you'd sort of reach sort of a different level of demographic or audience? Or Um,
2: well, it's I think it's just by virtue of having just, just, uh, I don't know, longevity, longevity, (laughs) and just like a snowball effect. I just. Was was I just kept going yeah. and also I started during a time when there weren't um many adventure games not just adventure games but there were very few indie games in general
1: yeah. um
2: the indie mm-hmm. game scene was very small in in 2006 I, I think I don't even think people were using the term indie yet um I it's very quaint to think about back then just how um how how scared people were to just give you their credit card online, mm. which seems yeah. quaint now because I don't even want to think does, about yeah. it. I don't want to think about who's got my credit card now. But <laughs> back then it's just like people would mail me cash, you know, like in foreign currencies. I'd have to like go across town to get it changed. It was ridiculous. Um what I did. But I, I was determined kind of what my mantra was the whole time um back then and kind of has has seen me through to today was was just the phrase, this is how I want to earn my living. This is what I want to do. And I had to like do whatever it took just to mm-hmm. kind of make that happen. Sometimes it meant making compromises. Sometimes it was not making the game I, I quite wanted to make, um, keeping my games very small and manageable, You know, doing whatever it took really to just do this and nothing else. And um, just by having, just by the fact that I was able to keep going. Um, just meant that there with every game that came out you know there was a whole bunch of other games that came beforehand that kind of that were adding to the foundation um I kind of started very small and grew very organically from there and I think at this point I have a firm enough foundation that I feel quite secure um even if a game maybe doesn't sell gangbusters I don't think it's gonna like bomb. I think we have enough like of a fan base that are interested in most everything we do. Um, not to say we need to phone it in, but at the same time, like <laughs> I, I'm I'm confident enough that like when I make an announcement, people will hear it. I don't have to do all that work that I had to do at the beginning just to get noticed. And, and just having that kind of gives me a lot of security. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for it all the time. Grateful for it every day because um, I've just... Uh, no one's more surprised than me than uh, that I've lasted this long, um, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that quite answered your question.
1: Um, well, I just wondered if I mean it sort of did, but I, I it just felt to me like there was a bit of a jump at one point where a new widget I. Thing became like a mainstream issue Mm -hmm. rather than just a little adventure game community. Like, oh, we'll get a new, you know. I think what what really was the turning point for us, and it's like, I hate to say this one, like,
2: this one game is what, what, right? It is because it's like, it's everything that kind of came before it. I'd say, yeah, Gemini Rue was the big watershed moment because somehow that game, and we didn't write that one, we, we published it. Um, we it somehow broke out of like the. The bubble, like the adventure game niche bubble echo chamber, it somehow broke out of that, and it managed to reach like more like hardcore mainstream, you know, press sites. Like Rock, Rock Paper Shotgun was writing about it. Um, Giant Bomb was a was a huge deal. Like mm-hmm. they they wrote about us. They did like a let's play of of, of the game and sent so much traffic our way like they wow. they really helped us out so much i actually made a deal with them to like you know i gave them you know their fans like a coupon code mm-hmm. to use because i just i knew like okay this this was working yeah and it's just what whatever it took really like um i would look at the tra- see where the traffic was coming from every day back when i sold the games like solely through my own website now that's a lot more difficult because sure. steam keeps that information mm-hmm. tight um but, like, Gemini was definitely, like, the moment where, like, okay, we're we're like a legit company now. Things are getting bigger. But at the same time, it was all the work we put in beforehand that enabled us to be in a position where we could publish a game like Gemini Roo. And because we had been doing it for so long before that, I think it, <laughs> it was only, like, I think three or four years at that point, which seemed like a long time back then. But because um, we had a reputation – pre-existing reputation already – you know that just was able to take us farther. And then we had other games, you know, that the following year, like Primordia did extremely well, you know, and then from there it's just we were able to kind of grow from from there, you know, like so everything was kind of built on what came before. Uh again, like building the foundation was being built. Um, but Geminaru was definitely the big moment where it's like, oh, okay, like. I, th- I think we got something like we're, we're going to be, we're going to be around for a while. This is working. Yeah. um. This is actually working. And it kind of cemented us as a, as a publisher as well, which, uh, which is part of our business model now.
1: Yeah. I, think- I mean, I didn't track the critical response to all your games. Of course I'm not stalking you. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I, I do find that a lot of mainstream sites uh, seem to appreciate sort of serious sci-fi more. So like, it doesn't surprise me that you would say Gemini Rue, and then you followed mm-hmm. it up with Shard Light and Techno. I mean, I have the order wrong, but Techno Babylon mm-hmm. and you like a bunch of in Primordia, uh, you know, a bunch of games that sort of really resonated, I think, with a Resonance lot of mainstream was another one. reviewers. What's that?
2: <laughs> you said resonated. Resonance was another one. That's
1: right. Resonance. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that game. So, yeah, like, I think a lot of your games probably really hit home with mainstream uh, reviewers. Uh, and journalists in a way that you know maybe other indies don't have so good choice of games as well as <laughs> good games themselves
2: thank you yeah i mean mostly i i learned um early on i think it was around uh the biggest lesson i learned i, I was i once was published by someone else back in like 2009 uh i was i did a game called emerald city confidential mm-hmm. and that was Oh, thank you. And that was published by Play First. Right. And and I also got, like, some of my early games on some of the casual portals, like Big Fish and I Win, and, and I think Alawar was another one. Um, and it really seemed to do well. Like, for a hot minute, like, cute pixel games were, like, really, really big because you had, like, Diner Dash and some some of those mm-hmm. games. And um, those games were really, really popular. And so, for like a hot minute, I got I got in just at the just when that was big, and my first month on all those casual sites, I earned more money than I had like my entire career put together up to that point. So I thought, oh, like I've cracked the code. Like I'm gearing mm-hmm. my stuff toward this market. And then when we released, I think the next Blackwell game, Blackwell Convergence, when we finally got that one out in 2009, I think, um, like it that that whole like cute pixel art game trend had died completely and it was replaced like suddenly the gritty, realistic hidden object games were in on the casual portals and the Blackwell Convergence just completely died a a soundless death on on those websites, on on Big Fish and all that. (laughs) And so that taught me the lesson of, okay, like I just need to, what I need to do is I'm never going to figure it out. I'm never going to crack the code. You know, companies with lots of money to burn can't figure it out. Yeah, so well, it changes I, too, right? Yeah, and it changes. They get it wrong. You know, yeah. they spend millions of dollars, have teams of people. They get it wrong. Like, why do I think I can figure that out? And so, I need to just—I'm just, just going to focus on the games that I personally like.
1: Yeah.
2: And games that I either want to make or want to see or what have you. Um, and that instinct has kind of steered me right because I—I th- think like that sincerity is very important. Um, the audience can sense when you're phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the thing I always try to focus on the most when I write my own stuff is trying to like, I'm it's, uh, it's, be sincere is to really like what I'm making, finding uh, homing in on what I like about a project is like half, half the battle. Because once I have that, once I know I like it, then it, becomes less work for me it becomes more mm-hmm. fun because games take a long time to make and if you're not enjoying it you know oh, what's yeah. the point and then by the time and it, it without that it kind of makes it very soulless and um so i just focus on what i like for the most part and that, that's what that taught me you mentioned that uh you focus on games
0: that interest you and i definitely want to make sure that we go back to that I'll talk a little bit about your interests uh in the future but right now i kind of want to talk about why should i the business, the team. So you mentioned you tried to keep it small and I'm sure you started out small. Like where is, why should I at this point? Well, Well, in terms of, Mm -hmm.
2: in terms of full-time people, Mm -hmm. it's me and Ben Chandler. He's, Mm -hmm. he does all the art and in terms of full-time people, Mm -hmm. that's it. Uh, I, I hired a freelance writer to kind of help me out with old skies. Uh, And of course I've worked with composers and, uh, and you know, the voice actors, but those are kind of as needed. There's no one else that I pay like full time. Um, there's like there's a, a guy named James Spanos who I, I hired kind of to help me with additional tech stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, things like porting and fixing bugs and stuff, just, you know, tedious technical things that individually are probably no big deal, but those things multiplied by like 18 some odd games is a lot of work. So he, he does that for me. Um, but those are, and that's it, really. So it's, aside from me, it's one full-time guy who does all the art, that's all he does, and a couple of free, rotating freelancers, and, and depending on the game, the games themselves might have a team that works on it, but they don't work directly for me. So I still keep things very, very small. And and that's the game development side. Now you're
0: also in in the distribution side. You're you're in the publishing side. Yeah. Who handles that? Is I mean, obviously also you. Also me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also just me. How, um, how different is that then from from the other side of Wajidai Games? Well,
2: it's different, and it's different now. Now I'm a little bit more hands off than I used to be. I'm still involved because I, I feel like if my if the my brand name is on it, mm-hmm. I want to make sure it's something I like. But excuse me, um, but you typically how it works is, you know, I'll spend three years or so working on something of mine and I'm burnt out. Mm-hmm. And then I it's nice to help other people with their projects for a while, um because having, you know, not being the developer myself, I can kind of take that, uh, keep a bit of distance, help them get it made, help with the voice acting, you know, um, help with design here and there, and I, I I get I don't have that the same pressure that I would for my own stuff, and that's sometimes very nice. But then, of course, after a few years, I I get a little prima donna-ish, like enough helping all these people out with their. Visions, (laughs) Visions, <laughs> what about me, damn it? And then I want to do my own stuff again. Uh, and so I do, I kind of take a break from publishing and I, I focus on my own stuff again. Uh, currently things are a bit different because um, I, I did uh, I did publish Lands last year. We published Hobbs Barrow and we're publishing Nighthawks um, this year. So I'm kind of doing both at the same time. I'm publishing and developing at the same time. So I'm a lot more hands-off than I normally am, but with all three of those games, They're from people who have made games before. Um, Strangeland was made by the Wormwood team. They made Primordia. Uh, Hobbs Barrow was Cloak and Dagger. They've done many games before. Uh, Nighthawks, Richard Cobbett, he's an amazing writer, has done several games of his own. Um, And so I'm a lot more hands-off. I'm still involved. Like, I'll play builds and make suggestions. And, of course, I'm handling the voice acting, uh, which I will always insist on doing because I love it. And I'm, I'm pretty good at it at this point. Um, so right now I'm kind of trying to divide my time between like the publishing stuff and the development stuff, but it's also kind of nice. Like one thing I like about doing the publishing is that it kind of spreads out the risk a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, because when I first started the games take, you know, a a decent amount of time to make. And if I spend all my money making it, if I had one colossal failure, then I was done, Mm -hmm. But with the publishing, I can kind of spread that risk out a bit more. So if, like, I could take a risk on something, like, weird and cool. um, Because, you know, all right, we are doing well financially. I could could take a risk on this game. Why not? And so um, there's games that I would publish and get out there that I probably wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. Strangeland was kind of like that. Um, where it's like, I don't know, but you know what? I like the team, Definitely. you know, why yeah. not? So let, let's get that out there and see what happens. And, um, you know, uh, uh Hubs Barrow was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, there's no rhyme or reason really. Uh, I just sort of, go with a gut feeling if I like something or not, or how busy I am, whatever. Um, My instincts have been more right than wrong, for which I'm very grateful.
1: And so what is the process in terms of um, deciding which ones you'll do? Do you go looking for games? Do developers come and talk to you and say, hey, we're doing this game, or? It varies.
2: Um, It's so, there's like I said, there's no rhyme or reason. I'll sometimes talk to a developer and then one thing lead to, will lead to another and I'll be like, hey, maybe we could help each other out. With Hobbs Barrow, it was um it was funny because I had played their demo and I I just loved the the sense of time and place that it created. Um and but I felt that it was just screaming for voice acting. Mm-hmm. And I I contacted mm-hmm. the the developer, um, Sean Acheson, or Aishison. Oh my god, I I Terrible yeah job. but uh he i i just talked to him about it i said please tell me you're adding voice acting to this because it so desperately needs it mm-hmm. um and he says well if we could find a publisher who help us with that and that basically was how I became the publisher. Right, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Purely because I wanted to- I can
1: fit those pieces together. <laughs> I wanted, yeah.
2: I like, I, I knew all these British voice actors that I've always wanted to work with. And it's like, all right, let's do it. And so that, that's how I, I became the publisher of that game. Uh, and also the game was good. I liked the game. So, yeah. um, and that was that. So it, there's never really any rhyme or reason. It's just sort of a gut feeling. And sometimes I'll say no to things that end up doing really, really well. So I, I just, I- and I don't know. It just really, it depends on, it depends on my situation at the time. Sometimes yeah. I'm just too swamped to yeah. to really take anything else on. Sometimes it just hits me at right, just the right moment. Was there, was there any that you said hits you in the right moment that you, you said, okay,
0: I have to put my name on this. I actively, I'm going after this game. Something that, that
2: you just put it, put it in your sights and, and went after it. Ah, so anything I really just win after. I mean, there's games where I like the Mm -hmm. look of, and Mm -hmm. I said, hey, could I, could I, I like the look of this? Could I see more? Because often, if a game is at that stage where it's really polished and really, Um, you know, really good, they don't need need your help. But sometimes I can see, I could see the potential. And Primordia was like that. Like I saw, like I just saw the art. And I'm like, this looks really cool. And I just, could, could I see more? I might be interested in publishing this. And I ended up publishing it, but it wasn't like I chased after them and wined and dined them or anything like <laughs> right, that. <yeah>. Couldn't <laughs> afford that anyway. Um,
1: I don't think you'd need to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little interested. In, oh, when so, can we meet? Well, this where? was like
2: back in 20, 2010. So I was, I was, well, yeah, there. I guess. But um, Resonance was kind of like that where, uh, <laughs> excuse me, next some water. where it just looked so good and in fact it was because of how good resonance looked that that encouraged me to like hire a professional artist for Blackwell Convergence because I'm like oh this is my competition now and then I was chatting with the developer and he was talking about just how long the game was taking because he has a full-time job he had like three kids at the time Uh, I think he's got four now um and he was going, he was moving back and forth between Japan and, and Nebraska, and he just didn't have the time to really dedicate to it that he wanted. And my my wife, um, she was between projects, and so we're like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we could help each other out here, because uh, we could use another game, and you just want to get the game done, so... Let's let's work together. That kind of stuff. And there's never, like I said, never any rhyme or reason. It just sort of, uh, it just they it just sort of happen. I, I I know that's not very businesslike, but often that's just what happens. I just chat with someone, and then it's like, oh hey, maybe maybe we should work together. Okay, let's. You know, Babylon was like that. Um, I'm just looking at the games uh, up on my wall here. Uh, Gemini Rue was kind of like, oh, Josh approached me. Um, yeah, it depends. Yeah. There's no, I'm I'm kind of babbling because there's no exact answer.
1: Well, that's kind of the beauty of being sort of your own publisher and and an independent too, is you get to go with the feel, you know, you're not driven by marketing execs saying no you must do this or that or the other thing. It's like I I mean I do think about that stuff. But
2: no one there's no one the decision rests with me. It's not like someone says, oh, this isn't marketable. You shouldn't make this game. Because I don't know what's marketable or not. Like no one if 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 we knew what was marketable, like no one would make a bad game. Like if if we knew what if we if there was a way to quantify what
1: makes a good game, we'd all be making good games. And that's
2: not happening. So
1: Okay, now you said there's no rhyme or reason, I'm going to put that to the test right now. Okay. Um, well, we'll talk a bit more about pixel art uh, later, but it's impossible to miss the fact that most, if not all of your games so far have been pixel art. And I believe most of the games you've published have been pixel art. So there's yeah. kind of a look that people came to associate with Wajidai. Like, that is, is that part of your philosophy in terms of the games that you chose to Publish and not just develop
2: really. I mean, it's just I think because I've kind of dug a little niche from niche, niche, niche for myself, um, of this kind of traditional style of game, um, usually made with AGS. And AGS, you're not locked into a low resolution with AGS, it's a common misconception. Mm -hmm. You can really go high def with AGS if you want to. Old Skies is high def, but um most folks tend to keep it pixel art because it's very manageable for a small team and you can get it done reasonably quickly. And so that's kind of what I, that's why I stuck with it at the beginning because we were able to get it done reasonably quickly. And if done right, you can really make it evocative. There's a certain like texture that pixel art can give um, a yeah. project. And I, it just sort of all, those are the types of the games that tend to come to me. I, I guess it's self-fulfilling because those are the type of games I tend to make or publish. So those are the kind of games that get pitched to me. Right. Um, so it, it is a bit self-fulfilling to be fair. Um, so you might be right. Um, maybe there is a reason, there is a <laughs> rhyme or reason, but um, there's at the same time, there are many games that I do say no to. Right. They're also pixel games. Sure. So um, yeah, I don't know. No, yeah. <laughs> no yeah. idea.
0: Now I'm going to put you on the spot here. You said that there's games that you said no to. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Is there any that you said no to and later on you're like,
2: Ooh, (laughs) wish I didn't. Uh, I mean, kind of yes, kind of no. I mean, I said no to Kathy Rain. They've approached Mm me and they ended up going with Ruff Yuri, who I think is a better fit. But I ended up going um, with, uh, I ended up helping them with their voice acting. So that was kind of nice. I got to be involved. And of course, I got to work with Ariel Siegel, who I adore, and all all those actors who I adore. So I, I got to be involved. Um, I don't now. You know what? I don't really regret. I don't think, oh God, they're, they're, um, uh, they're doing so well. I, I wish it was mine. Um, because there's other games, you know, it's like, I I'm still a consumer of these games as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's nice to be able to play some of these games without knowing every intricate detail about them first. So it's like, all right, I didn't publish it. It did well. It's a good game. That means I can play it as a consumer. And that's always a good thing
1: yeah um go ahead, go ahead jack yeah, okay sorry i, I didn't <laughs> want to step on your show. i feel like i'm sort of hogging some of the questions here no um, no as as somebody who makes their own games do you find it a little difficult to step back and loosen the reins and like it's probably alleviated by the quality of the developers that you work with because you know that they're going to do good work um but it still requires as you said a bit of a distancing is is that difficult for you to do to to step back and let someone else run not run things but no. Are you a um,
2: micromanager, Dave? I mean <laughs> well... depends which developer you ask. Uh, <laughs> some would say I am. I generally don't think I am. I mean, I I do like to get involved. I'm usually not that hands off. Um I'm a lot hands up more hands off than I used to be, as I said, because I'm just busier now. Um, but for the most part, it's it's not hard to to step back. Um, because like I'm not as um I think where what I where I'm most beneficial. Is that I I would never say I know what makes a game good. As I said, if we if there was a way to quantify that, we'd no one would make a bad game. Right. But I think I do have a good understanding of like what makes something bad, because mm-hmm. I've made so many games, made lots of mistakes. I've seen what hasn't worked before. I've seen what the audience and, and players have really reacted badly to, and I can. I could sort of help a new developer avoid those same pitfalls. Right. So if they do something and it's like, yeah, you know what we did, we tried this exact same thing in this game, in this game, and people hated that, you know, maybe we could let's tweak this and see if we could do something instead, or even just narrative stuff. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Sean has said this in interviews, so it's, I don't think he'll mind if I, if I uh, say it out loud, when I, the first build I played, there was um, the, the main villain of the game. You never actually saw in the game. And my feedback to him for him was, we should see him in the game. He needs mm-hmm. to be a part of the story. Um, and they agreed and they put him in the story. And it's you can't imagine the game without him now. Right. Uh, so just so stuff like that. you know, I, I will make I will make suggestions like that, you know, because I it's all I think about. <laughs> and often like I can I can point to other games and other examples of like of times where like doing that, Thing didn't work so i have evidence but right. I, I would i would never say oh this you have to have this because that makes a game good because mm-hmm. i don't know what makes a game good i have no idea um but i can i can safely say what i think i have I, i'm pretty confident if something doesn't work yeah. um so often I'll, I'll try to make alternate suggestions and work with the developer that way and you said that
0: you you're you're often hands off right now but you earlier you mentioned that you are hands on when it comes to voice acting it's there something we go. that you're
2: you're passionate about very yeah. much so
0: yeah
1: i
2: want to talk about that i want to talk okay. a little bit about that i this could we could spend the rest of the interview talking about voice acting cuz i could talk about it forever well that well, makes rest. it easy on us
1: so you have been more oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, just, we'll just
0: let you roll we'll, i definitely want to to talk about voice acting hey, maybe we'll even have you on later on and we'll talk a little bit more about it but sure Okay, so what makes you so passionate about well, voice I, acting? Is it I is used it, to
2: do? Sorry, mm-hmm. no, no, please. I was I was just going to say, is it something just because you do a lot of it? Well, and you've I learned. I started off. I think what gave me the bug was that I started off when I when I made the Shiva way back when, It originally was a freeware game. And then I decided mm-hmm. I want to sell this thing. What could I do to give it value? And I decided mm-hmm. I'll add voice acting because I, I was part of an improv group. And I knew a bunch of actors, like Abe Goldfarb, for example. You know, he's uh, he's oh, yeah. in pretty much everything I do. I've known him since we were in summer camp together, like back when we were 13, and we both did theater. And he he kept doing theater, I I didn't. But um, and so I knew like he would he would be in the game. And I I brought in folks from my improv group, um, to uh to be in the game. And there was this one actress who sadly I haven't worked with since. Um, her name is Ruth and she was a professional voice actor. And she was asking me these questions about like what, you know, like about how she should, you know, do the voice thing. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of amazed by these questions like, Oh, like that's something you need to know. That's interesting. And we'd have these conversations just about the technique of voice acting. And I was kind of fascinated by that. And I, I, when I started working with more voice actors, I could sort of see like the techniques and I just became fascinated by it because it's such a unique discipline than stage acting or screen acting. Mm -hmm. It's something it's, it's so different. And I just became obsessed with learning about it. And I, I just started learning, becoming friends with more voice actors, started working with more voice actors. And it just became my favorite thing to do because mostly working on a game is, um, is very solitary, especially when Mm -hmm. when you work on an indie project like this. Even when I chat with Ben every day, it's all online, you know, it's very solitary. And then when I start working with the voice actors, it's the first time there's some back and forth. Yeah. And seeing them kind of breathe life into into characters that like had only existed in my head, not just giving me what I, uh, not just creating the voice in my head, but kind of making the character brand new. And that was my, that, that was another epiphany moment. Huh, no pun intended. There was um, <laughs> one, uh, I think it was um, Blackwell Unbound. There was a ghost in Blackwell Unbound who was this, a um, kind of agoraphobic woman mm-hmm. um, who's still haunting the, uh, the building. Her, her building was, was knocked down. Oh. And her, go- her ghost, she, she wasn't inside, but she had been right. murdered beforehand, but her, her ghost is still haunting the ruins of the building because she can't leave her home.
1: Yeah. And
2: when I first envisioned her, I envisioned her as like this meek woman, you know, talking very mousy. And the actress, uh, she started reading her that way. Then as a joke, she started like giving her this very haughty, very like full of herself voice. And... I'm just like wow you know I like that because mm-hmm. it's like she's overcompensating now I kind of like that she's and we redid the we redid the whole character with that in mind and it just recontextualized the whole character for me and I loved that because like I by the time I get to that stage often the the char- I'm sick of the characters because I hear mm-hmm. them all the time and Getting an actor to make them fresh and new to me is like magic. Suddenly, I love I, they're they're new and brilliant to me all over again. Are you and... saying you rewrote the character because of that? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. It's just the the lines were still the same. Uh-huh. It's just the character and the context changed. Because rather rather than being like "Who's there?" Cheapish. she was more like "Who's there?" She just kind of changed the the context and she made the character more interesting because mm-hmm. if she could surprise me, then it'll surprise the audience too. And that, that just, those, that's the juice. When that happens, it's like, oh yeah. Like I loved this, this character's cool now. Like cool, they're rather cool again, because often if I have a specific voice in my head and for years I'm hearing that same voice, I'm sick to death of it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> hearing something new is always exciting. And that's, that's one reason why I love working with voice actors too, is just they they can often, see things in a character that I never did and you get you sometimes get prima donna directors who's like no it must be this way i like to give the actors within reason as much freedom as possible um because i want to be surprised cuz if okay. i'm surprised the audience will be too
0: like ron gilbert mentioned that so many lines in return to monkey island that they just kind of went with it, it because you know they let their the voice actors roll with it and it became so much so much better than they had originally
2: envisioned because you could only see from your perspective yeah and they could see from theirs. So, I like, mean, if you're having, I mean, you're basically hiring someone mm-hmm. whose literal job it is is to make uh, is to elevate the material. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want them to just be a programmable AI. I don't want them to just read what's on the page. Like I want whatever is on the page. I want them to elevate what I have written. I want them to make it better. And so that's what I, whenever I listen to auditions, it's always not just about who matches the character in my head, but are they making interesting choices? You know, if they're, they're doing something that makes me go, oh, that's interesting. Maybe they don't match exactly what's in my head. But they made my ears kind of prick up and be like, "Oh, that's cool. And mm-hmm. I think that's what people notice about the voice acting in, in the games that I work on is that like that's what makes them memorable is because they the actors make very interesting choices and often I tend to cast people who will later enable me to do less work. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like I'll, I'll cast someone and then I, usually I just let them let them rip. And it's always it's always just a joy to watch. It's so much fun
1: you're certainly situated in the right part of the world to have like access to a huge oh, yeah. uh, pool of of actors but like so practically speaking um do you have your own studio or how does that work okay. i don't
2: do it enough to to justify that and i live in a small brooklyn apartment there's no room um you know you usually folks make put their booths in their closets but mm-hmm. uh, right. you know <laughs> brooklyn apartment with a kid closet space is precious um i i <laughs> yeah. used to before covid i went to a a studio in midtown um and we recorded there but and i, I was kind of precious about only working with new york actors because i could i'm in new york mm-hmm. but since covid um i couldn't work in the studio anymore so Excuse me. Um so I opened it up to remote actors from around the world and honestly I haven't looked back cuz mm-hmm. it's just expanded my repertoire of expanded the the actors that I can work with and it's kind of been it's kind of been fantastic cuz there are actors like all over the world that I've always wanted to work with but right. never could but now mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. And um especially with Hobbs Barrow like if I was focused on local actors. I probably couldn't have done the voice acting for that. Um, but since I started working remotely, um, I was able to work with all the British actors. Um, and I'm, I'm probably gonna stick with that for the time being. I do miss the one-on-one. I miss the face-to-face. That that that's that's a certain tangibility that can't be can't be replicated over Zoom, but I can't deny how much easier it is and, and cheaper. Cause I don't have to pay for the studio time. Sure. I don't have, to, don't have to commute into the city. Um, you know, I don't have to like, if I only have one session scheduled that day, I could just, you know, I don't have to go into the, all the way into the city, record there and come home. Um, the actor doesn't have to, to go into the city. You know, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of faff that's been, that's taken out of the process. And that can work with so many people that I wouldn't have been more able to work with before. And I, I do love it. Well, and the
0: tools that we have nowadays are, are incredible. You know, yeah. it's just like being in a studio. You can look well, at someone through face to face through Zoom. You have your your boards in
2: front of you. Not, and just, it's not, not just that, it's like the actors have also. Um, a lot of actors have invested in really good sound booths because mm-hmm. of it. There are some actors I work with who own who didn't have a booth at home because they always went to a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they all have studio. Now they all have home studios, so they can all work from home because they have to. Sure. They, they didn't have a choice. Um, so they uh, of course, the problem you get is that every the the room tone is always slightly different yeah. with every actor, uh, which you just you just figure out a way to deal with. It's fine.
1: Do you find directing um, parts written by somebody else harder than your own? Because obviously you've got in your own head what mm-hmm. you imagine a character to look like, sound like, act like kind of thing. Different story when somebody else has written it. Is that a tougher challenge? It can be a challenge. Um, it
2: depends. Cause with with Hobbes Barrow or Strangeland, they're fairly linear games. So I I knew the context of almost everything. Um, so I'm just, just knowing the context helps. Um, and sometimes if I get it wrong, you know, I'll just have to do a pickup later. You know, I'll I'll run it by the the writer and um we'll have to do a pickup later. I think for Hobbes Barrow for the first session. Um, it's funny, because I asked, the town the game takes place in is called Bewley. And I only saw it written down. And I asked Sean, how do you pronounce it? And since it was all text, he says, you know, um, pronounced like new. But he's British.
1: Ah, so for uh, him, yeah. his,
2: with his accent, it would be new. Mm. But for me, that's it's new. new. So for the first session, they were all calling it Bully, <laughs> and I ran it by him and he's like no that's wrong I'm like oh crap I'm sorry so I had to for those lines I had to do pickups later but you know stuff like that's going to happen and often like I will sometimes like get a get a little um, uh, get a little meddly and, and come across a line that just sounds awkward when spoken out loud um, and I'll just I'll, I'll rewrite it on the spot say hey try it this way like we'll do it as written and then we'll try it this other way and then i'll run it by the writer and see what they think you know they'll have the final say maybe they wrote it that way for a reason i don't know um so it's usually not hard i find it quite fun and sometimes a challenge like strangeland was a huge challenge Mm -hmm. but like an interesting one because everything that in that game is like symbolic of something else Mm -hmm. so it's like how do you direct that like how do you when like you have this this weird monstrosity that's symbolic of cancer like how does that <laughs> how do you act that you know like yeah, I yeah. and I found that fascinating to like all right but like I had to kind of lie to the actor a little bit like okay like here's like you're here's what you are versus like here's what you should be feeling versus what you are and so it was kind of a, a challenge to like get the actor to the place they needed to be like emotionally so they could you know because um, with with voice again, I warned you. I'm going to talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. With a lot of voice acting, it's it's less about believing what's on the page. It's more about feeling what's on the page, because like if, a, if the microphone is intimate, like you can't lie. If you're if you're angry and you're trying to fake it, the microphone will pick that up. So it's like you have to feel that emotion if Your character is angry, you have to find a way to be angry. Yeah. So it's less about why is the character angry? Make yourself angry. So it's like read what's on the page, but think something else. You know, it's it's like this interesting disconnect. And it's managing that disconnect that I kind of find fascinating. And this is why I love voice actors because like they have that they have to have that ability to just whip out emotions and feel them really intensely. <clears throat> just like instantly. And that's why you, you talk to them, they're they're all crazy. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and and you practice what you preach. Dude. You have you have Dave Gilbert, the the voice director and the voice actor. I mean, I kind of. I, mean, I don't know if it counts when I cast myself. <laughs> well, I don't who know if watches
0: The Watchmen?
2: Who 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 directs you? Is it you? Yeah, I mean, I I cast myself in Unavowed because mm-hmm. um, I don't want to spoil it. But the um there's the way the character was there was a there's a male and female version of the character Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of backstory and why the character does certain things the way the reason they do it's complicated Mm -hmm. and when i worked with the female actress her name is shelly who i also adore um trying to explain to her what was going on was like half the session and when it came to time to do the male version i just decided you know what i'm just going to do it myself between other sessions because like I, I don't have to explain it to myself. <laughs> I probably could have done it, but I figured eh, I, I could do this. Why not? So, so I just did it. And I'll give myself bit parts in some other games back mm-hmm. when I worked out of a booth. Now I can't do it. But I would, I usually would cast myself as like some, you know, uh, some like New York style thug or, or, you know, mean person because I can do that voice. I didn't know that these were
0: your voices until recently. And now I'm hearing it. Like uh, I'm oh. having to go back and, and ch- that's, hey. I that's only give myself
2: tiny bit parts. So it's like, if you're hearing me, it's, well, you, uh, I'm impressed.
0: And you mentioned Kathy Rain, uh, Kathy Rain too. Mm. So that's awesome. Really, really
1: neat. Oh, you were in that one too? Briefly, yeah. Okay.
2: I think I was um, like a drunk barfly or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good in one. In a while. Yes. Um, maybe... You wear so many hats, this may just be a practical impossibility, but uh, like so many games, particularly independent adventure games would benefit from either voice acting at all or much better voice acting than they have Um, has sort of branching off into sort of a sort of voice specialist role yeah, something I mean, you'd consider
2: i've done it i mean i did it with kathy rain i did it with whispers of a machine i did it with um the Coles' recent game summer days you? hero mm-hmm. you yeah i did that one and you know i'm always i'm always willing the, the problem is, okay. is that for a lot of indies um they can't really afford it right uh so like i have to pay for the actors mm-hmm. and i kind of reached the point where i'm like paying standard indie rates because I feel like I should. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to pay a lot less and I always reg- I always regretted that. But now it's like, all right, I can afford it. I'm paying them what they deserve. And I gotta pay myself. If I'm doing it for someone else, they I you know, I need no, to pay or- for my they need to pay for my mm-hmm. time as well. Yeah. Um and if uh there's a studio involved, they need to pay for that. Um and often that price tag is out of the reach of most indies.
1: Yeah. And if
2: they have a budget where they can afford it, they'll probably go with like a professional like audio house so i'm good for indies with a budget like Mm -hmm. something like kathy rain they have a publisher they they like what i do raw fury they so they contact me and i i'm I'm happy to to help them out you know with clifftop stuff um but so i have i have done um the voiceover for other games uh and folks know i'm willing it's just um you know not many are willing to pay for it or afford it yeah
1: yeah well it's too bad because like a lot of games, I find the issue isn't so much with the actors who seem to be doing a credible job, but the direction is woefully lacking. And you could just tell that-
2: There's a knack. There's this, yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know like what I do. It's just like often it's just I it's the casting. 90% of it is casting. Just I listen to the auditions and I often get into arguments with some developers over it because they hear someone that thinks sounds perfect. But then I listen to them and I'm like, they're making no interesting choices. It's just flat. Their voice is great, but it's like, I'm not feeling anything when I'm hearing them. And that's what I want. And often when I, when I get that, like, I will just, there's very little i have to do occasionally i might have to guide them or give them a little bit of extra context or something like that um let just try to get what i want from them um there is a knack to it and I, it's if i had to give up making games that is something i would want to do is work with yeah. voice actors because mm-hmm. i do i do i do enjoy it it's very fun
0: well yeah you say there's a knack you know like any producer or something that like there's a feel like whenever i've been in the studio doing music or something you could tell the difference between someone who knows what they're doing okay i have a technical understanding of pro tools or something like that or those who just understand music they know yeah. what to listen like something and how to invoke a, a feeling out of someone and those are when that producer produces a, gr- a great
2: song yeah and so yeah and and i think you do a, a wonderful job thank you i i I think so too. I mean, I'm not hey, uh, I no. don't know. I don't often toot my own horn, but it's something I've gotten like reasonably good at and I'm quite proud of it.
1: It's not bragging if it's true. Yeah, two two. True.
2: All right, let, let let's have a little fun. Let's, okay. let's kind of shake it off. Shake it
0: off for a, a little second. Alrighty? We're gonna put All right. we're gonna put two minutes on the clock. Uh-oh. Okay. And then we're gonna blow right past two minutes. So so <laughs> we're gonna ask some questions and Jack, feel free to jump in here if All with right. any if you want. Then we're gonna, I'm gonna throw a bunch at you. Okay. Answer as quick as possible.
2: Okay. So,
0: let's see if you do better than than Al Al Allo. Previously, he was the best at this so far. He just he he knows him.
2: Okay, I don't know what this is, but me either. So (laughs) we'll we'll both be surprised. All
0: All right, so two minutes, Dave Gilbert. Let's get to know you.
2: Okay, Dave, what is your favorite food? Um, that would be Tex Mex fajitas. Tex Mex fajitas, love them. Okay cat or dog i consider myself a dog person but i own a cat because i live on a third floor walk up speaking of hey buddy yeah. hi? hey you he just came up to me hey you how you doing how you doing silly boy what's his name the name in the background a while ago. his name is oliver he's oliver. not really a cuddler so he's going to jump off and we've
0: gotten to know oliver always in the background oh he was i didn't, I didn't know always that. in the background whenever you're doing a a, a devlog or or oh that's right that's meatball. right
2: I mean, Oh, you watch those things? Okay, I'm, I know that we only have two minutes, so I'm blown. Oh no, no, that's just that's just something that we throw.
1: Okay, a, a guideline more than a rule. <laughs> okay,
2: what is your favorite game that you've made? Favorite game that I've made. Um. Okay, there's the different ways. There's the game that I had the most fun making. There's the game that I'm, like, the most proud of, like, the final result. Or there's the game that I most enjoy playing. Um All three. All three, three. yeah. Okay, the game <laughs> I had the most fun making, Blackwell <laughs> Unbound. Because it was, like, that in-between period where, like, I had, like I, I had already proved myself, kind of. I knew I could do it. But there wasn't, like, anything at stake yet it wasn't like oh this is my entire life i don't have anything to lose whatever so i was just able to like make the game and enjoy it um even though it was like it it was this quick thing that i made in like four months and i just i just made it and it was just completely stress-free um i still love playing um unavowed uh i I still can like play it and still like get like and still have fun playing it um I think the game I'm most proud of is Blackwell Epiphany because it's it's the game that I always envisioned in my head when I started the Blackwell series. Um like the first game in the Blackwell series did not look what would look look like what was in my head. The last game completely did. It was everything I had envisioned. So I'm I'm very I, that's the that's the game I'm most proud of. And and feel free to jump in if you have any. just put
0: put your hand up if you have any. Okay. Now okay. run with it favorite adventure
2: game um modern or classic favorite adventure uh, no 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 he, okay no, without, thinking, without thinking <laughs> Without well, thinking. okay uh, i would say classic loom most recently uh perfect tides oh wow toot toot okay okay favorite uh favorite genre of music oh good god uh It just so depends what I need at the time. I've become very uh, interested in... I guess because I'm working, I'm listening to a lot of classical stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm listening to a lot of... Uh, I've really gotten into Mozart's Requiem for some reason. Me? <laughs> I, I listen to that all the time. Uh, I guess because I just... It helps me focus. So I'm going to go with that. Favorite genre of movies? Uh, I like everything. There's nothing... like I. I like everything. I, I mostly gravitate to sci-fi though, so I'll stick Let's with that. Let's say favorite movie. Oh my god, this changes like all the time. <laughs> Boom! I will I will say sci-fi. I'll say I enjoy sci-fi. Okay. I enjoy science fiction stuff. Okay, um
0: dark side or light side? Of what? Mhm. Sci-fi. <laughs>
2: of sci-fi. <laughs> uh, no, Star Wars. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, uh Darksiders always die, but they have cooler outfits. So I'm <laughs> gonna go with them. Favorite non-adventure game. Uh Nights of the Old Republic. Nice. <laughs>
0: nice. What's your favorite thing to do on your downtime? Read.
2: Um I read, I watch movies, I, you know, I like going to the I like going on walks in, in uh Prospect Park, just outside there. Favorite book? I have a favorite series, Happy Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. I haven't heard of it. Oh, it's so good. It's basically uh my biggest inspiration for Unavowed. It's basically Unavowed is what happens when Dave realizes he'll never get the Dresden Files license. <laughs> okay, okay. The date that tech that the next game is gonna be out, old skies. <laughs> well, the next game is Nighthawks.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, you asked oh, the wrong no! question.
2: You blew it next game is Nighthawks. so that's gonna be like hopefully by the by the end of the year for sure, oh man. So I actually like
0: when we had Ken on or I had Ken on a while back ago, I was just boom, 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 had him just going, he actually dropped a date like <laughs> he actually oh. <laughs> he actually dropped dropped a date. like, okay, we're gonna have to edit that one out. I was just oh, so around. they're they're
2: working on something new.
0: Uh, I didn't no, that. no, that was that was in the past for oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. We appreciate uh spending four and a half minutes on the <laughs> our two minutes. Our, our four two and a half minutes section. on the
2: two minute thing. Okay,
1: that's great. <laughs> well, Oliver took up some of that time. So Oh, yeah, well yeah, I had to extend it a little it's bit. It's worth it. It's worth so, it so but I'm glad you brought up Nighthawks. Um, mm-hmm. because now I don't want to get into the whole what is and isn't an adventure game all the time, but it's this one is of- certainly more adventure adjacent than mm-hmm. your usual game. Is it a strategy to sort of move away from adventure games at all or no
2: that's assuming i, I had any strategy to begin with mm-hmm. i mean basically i like richard i've known him for a long time i think he's an amazing writer um he he was one of my first early cheerleaders we've, and uh um he, and he he kind of gets it um right. he and he worked on uh sunless sea and sunless skies mm-hmm. which is very much the mold that this game is is fitting into right um, and he, uh, it's just, I trust him because he's a, he's, like I said, he's an amazing writer. He, this guy writes rings around me. He just breathes brilliant writing. It's <laughs> so good. And like all the characters are so well-defined and larger than life and just so much fun. And the way he's built this, the way he's like, he's built this world and these characters in this game is just so, it's so fun and unique. Like I've never, like I could never write anything like this. And so it's not so much a strategy as like, I like it. I sure. like him and I like what, I like what he pitched to me. And I like this game. Um, so that's just it. Like it's, it's just something else that I like. Right. So that's, that's really my main criteria is yeah. do I like this? Yes. Let's go for it. So you said that you have no strategy. So you do have old skies
0: coming out, which does seem like a, a change of, of look a little bit tell us a little a bit. bit about old skies so okay maybe, well maybe
2: something um, we haven't heard oh sure it's mm-hmm. it's a time travel story mm-hmm. and it's um <clears throat> excuse me uh it's basically i i i haven't like by the time i got to the end of Undevowed, i had managed to like pair down my description of it to like one sexy soundbite. I have not done that yet. So for old skies. So basically it's a time travel story where you play a woman in FIA who works for a time travel agency. And her deal is that she takes clients into the past. Um, they have different reasons for wanting to go into the past. Um, they want to either re-experience something, change something small or what have you. And so you, you kind of go with them to make sure nothing goes wrong and nothing ever does. No, I'm
1: no, I'm sure. That is a lie. When a is it ever go, in sci-fi?
2: A lot of things go wrong. If something goes wrong every time and you have to like fix it. So there's like there's about 6 or 7 individual chapters all kind of very loosely connected together. Um and it's just been kind of just fun working on it. Uh like so, some of the stories are like more serious, some are more funny. One is just completely Bonkers off the wall. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm currently working on now. That's like a 9/11 story. So that's been wrenching my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's been it's been a while, it's been a ride working on it. And it's I'm working with Sally, the voice actor of Fia, uh, has been um, amazing fun too. So you're saying that you have multiple
0: stories. Essentially, you have to go back and fix each problem.
2: Awesome. Yeah. or rather, you have to go and uh, see the problem happen and then fix it. Gotcha. So it's like, my goal is that you you think the story is going to be about one thing, but then mm-hmm. something goes wrong or something changes and it's really about something else. And then it's about how you like like how you fix it and how you deal with it.
1: So uh, would it be fair to say it's kind of a layered thing? Like, you know, it's not you fix it or not, but you make some changes and see how that plays out. And then There's that a bit of that. quite...
2: I think with any time travel story um you have to uh have some guardrails mm-hmm. because the possibilities are literally endless yeah you so you have to like say okay this is these are the rules either for the rules of time travel or the rules you're setting yourself for the story Right. because something like even like back to the future for example it never leaves hill valley mm-hmm. and the problems never like go beyond like marty mcfly and his family because mm-hmm. if they it just never goes beyond that and they manage to sustain that into three movies so right. like but that's 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 why they because they created that limit for themselves um you know time traveler's wife has some very strict rules about how time travel works and it does not deviate from them um so the best time travel tra- best time travel stories have those rules and um just so you know marcella you're you're on my camera hello, <laughs> hello marcella <laughs> um and I've tried to uh, have some of those rules for myself, mainly that, um, because originally I had some kind of like day of the tentacle style situations where you could go to different eras and like solve puzzles and make changes that way. But that was just way too brain breaking. Mm-hmm. And because it's a more grounded game, uh, it, was, it, it was just, it, it was hard to like come up with puzzles that use that mechanic. So instead I decided, okay, the rule is, you have to go to a certain era you do not leave that era until your mission's done mm-hmm. right so there's no like time travel hijinks unless the story calls for it mm-hmm. um like if i come up with a cool like timey wimey idea it's because it organically f- it doesn't start with that cool timey wimey idea because mm-hmm. then it's not sincere and then you have to building it building something around a gimmick never works um Excuse me. So, like, my rule is that, like, you enter an era, you stay there until the story is done. And also, you never leave New York. Everything takes place in New York. This is like the, the branch of this time travel agency just covers New York. So, never leaves New York City. And, and what was the inspiration in the graphical style? Uh, well, Ben wanted to try doing high def art. And I said, go for it. Yeah. And we decided, because here's the here's the challenge. And Ben makes fun of me that I think about this, but mm-hmm. the business side of me does think about marketing, you sure. know, branding, branding, because with most of our other games, they have a they're based in a specific genre where you have a lot of touchstones that you can look at, like technobabylon, cyberpunk, you know tons of cyberpunk out there you could say okay we can we could try this one we could try this one you know there's all these different styles that you can pull from unavowed urban fantasy same thing you know gemini rube science fiction you know cowboy bebop style you know there's tons of like inspiration you can pull from but time travel there's no like specific like look or style that surrounds a time travel story yeah and ben makes fun of me but i'm like yeah you know but it's it's going to be confusing because you're going to different eras and so all the art will be inconsistent no one will know what this game is blah 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 and so we we settled on this style that's kind of very um miyazaki inspired this kind of like whimsical kind of not washed out but this like kind of nostalgic mm-hmm. kind of um You know, when you see it, it's hard to explain what makes the Miyazaki style, the Miyazaki style, but you look at it and you feel whimsical, you feel wistful, it's hard to explain, and since a lot of the theme, the big theme of the game is like, nostalgia and legacy and thinking about the past, that seemed appropriate, so we kind of landed on that style.
1: I don't know what all uh, you said publicly about the game so far, so I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but Mm -hmm. like. What different eras do you get to visit? Um, well,
2: uh, you visit... You go to the 1870s. You go to Prohibition era, 1920s. You go to the uh, distant past of the 2020s. Uh, <laughs> the distant, Ooh, uh, the distant who'd want to go back there? The, 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 her present is the 2060s. Okay. Um, and she also goes to the 2040s. Uh, and you go to... Um, to the turn of the century, you know, uh, 2001, and you go to, um, the last mission that I, that I'm working on next, you go to the nineties. So it's kind of all right. spread out.
1: And how did you sort of land on which eras you wanted to focus on? Uh pretty broad range.
2: Pretty broad. I mean, I think like, I, um, I don't know that some of them started with the era, some of them started with the story and I thought, okay, what era would, would best, you know, use this story? Um I could best like, you know, what era should the story take place in? Um it varies. It varies. I knew I wanted to have like a kind of prohibition caper, you know, sure. with like, you know, gangsters and you know cops, stuff like that. And so I so I started with the era there. Mm-hmm. Uh I wanted to set something during the draft riots, but that got a little too a little too complicated, and a little—I—I I don't know how I would have pulled it off mm-hmm. visually. Mm-hmm. So I—I I, I pushed it forward by like ten years. So now it's like post-draft riots, uh, the 1870s. Um, See, so yeah, there like again, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just wherever the muse takes me. Sure. So the stories don't intertwine. They do a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my again, my my kind of priority for making the game is that like. I, I had these individual stories and I had to start with them. I had to make each of those individual stories fun and interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, if they're not good, then the whole game will fall apart. Like, so they have to be good. And yeah, there, there is a, um, I figure, okay, well, I was trying to figure out what the interconnected story is and I've kind of got that. I kind of got that. But if that's, if that, if the interconnecting bits maybe don't land as well as I'd like, mm-hmm. at least the individual stories, I think are very solid and a lot of fun. So, cause that's the priority. So if that's, if just those individual missions are the game, uh, when, I, when I, when I first started writing this, I figured if, well, if those individual stories are the game, then that's fine. At least I have those, but I, I came up with an arc for the main character that I kind of really like. So um, I've, I've incorporating
1: that into the story. So, um, you're sort of leaving b- behind pixel art this time. I'm curious. Uh, like pixel art's sort of at a an, an odd moment. It, it's sort of at one stage, it's it's all the rage, and yet uh, sort of a backlash is starting to form too. Like is, there... is like are we over oversaturating with uh, pixel art? I have no idea. I mean, have I'm... you have you had any? Well, what's been the sort of public response to? No matter to what I change? do, people will complain. Well, sure. If
2: I if I used if I still did pixel art i get complaints of, oh, you're still using pixel art. Yeah. I went HD. I was like, oh, I like the Pixel so much. Um, for a hot minute, we were making a, a game in 3D, and we are the, the Techno Babylon sequel, which sadly got put on hold because right. the developer um was dealing with some health problems. I don't want to get into that, but that actually looked decent for like it looks decent. You know, it was 3D. And we got some complaints about that too. Yeah. And it was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I hope it's not you know, like, I hope it's not like Simon 3D, like (laughs) like, the worst 3D adventure game ever made. We'll do our best. Um, (laughs) But, you know, no matter what we do, people are going to complain. So this is what we want
1: to do. But that's the complaints. Did you get like lots of support? Like, oh, good. We're so glad. Yeah, we got support
2: as well. I mean, above all, when people say, oh, I really like your game, so the pixel art, and Mm -hmm. I, I mean it sincerely when I say, I hope that's not the reason why we play our games yeah yeah like i think it's i hope that's not the only reason because i feel like there's much more to them than just that um and this is just what we decided to do we might go back to pixel art i know that ben wants to work on his own game next and he wants to lower the resolution of it because i think he's more comfortable there and i'm fine with that i'm fine with that i'm just because we jumped resolution doesn't mean we have to stay there
1: yeah no rhyme or reason, right? No rhyme or reason. <laughs> That's it's worked the theme. for me so far.
2: That's my theme. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's working great. Whatever works, whatever gets the game out.
2: Dave, what is one
0: trend in adventure gaming that you would like to see go away, and maybe one that you would like to see
2: maybe a little bit more? I always hate questions like this because. Oh. Well, I can say I, it different. Well, okay, because here's <laughs> the thing. When when because I always think of adventure games as such a broad mm-hmm. thing. It and is. so yeah. what is the one thing? Like, is there a trend in adventure games? Like mm-hmm. that's like saying, is there a trend in movies? Is there a trend in novels? It's like there's just yeah. so many different <laughs> there's so many different kinds of adventure games. There's so many different yeah, kinds are. of adventure games that are out there. So it's like it's hard to say, oh well, so too many adventure games are doing X because mm-hmm they're not It's maybe a few maybe a few high profile ones and it's like i it's hard to say what those trends are the only trend i hope i mean the only trend i'm i like is that so many more of them are being made and i hope that continues (laughs) we at adventure game hotspot do as well (laughs) yes well i imagine so yeah So I can't really think of any trend I wish would stop. I mean, I do, like, the one thing that always annoys me whenever I see uh, reviews of any of our games, mm-hmm. um, and you you guys don't do this, and, um, you know, back when you were with Adventure Gamers, they didn't do it either because it would be silly for, for an Adventure Game website to do this. There, When any review of our games always starts with, like, a paragraph about Adventure Games were big in the 90s, and then they died, and then they had a high, mm-hmm. then they had a return, and then they died again. And that, yeah. that has to be, like, the way they start all the reviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That drives me nuts, but that's not oh, yeah. something specific to adventure games. That's something specific. That's a trend with adventure game reviewers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't count.
1: And and wrong. Like they and should wrong. just say, you know what? I wasn't paying attention to adventure games during these years, and uh, you know, all of a sudden I am again. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is why I'm reviewing one.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, we've kept you for for a long time. What do you guys say that we uh we end this with a little bit of top five.
2: Oh. Sure. Yes. Okay. We always end the show completely with completely top. I've forgotten five. what we were what we were gonna do, so this will be spontaneous.
0: This is perfect for, for Dave. We decided that today we're going to do top five modern pixel art games. Oh, that's right. So we were thinking that we might just throw a rule: we could choose one, we could choose one pixel art game
1: from the one, one Wajidai.
0: I yeah, because otherwise <laughs> we could fill up all we could fill up so many of our lists like that. So we're gonna let you go first. You're the guest, and Dave, you could choose your games if you want. Yeah, we do <laughs> one at a time and just go around the room around
2: mm-hmm. circles. Okay. Um, well, I mentioned uh, Perfect Tides uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, this, this isn't in any particular order, um, yeah. mm-hmm. but that Perfect Tides is just a game that surprised the heck out of me because I've played so many, and it was the first game in a long time where I just really felt something like, mm-hmm. "Wow! Like this is really, it's just really good." And the animation is is off the wall incredible. I've never played uh um hello oliver um he's just sort of sneaking over there behind me on the couch um i've i haven't played a game that made me like feel like that and he's scratching the couch come on buddy nope nope that's nope that's a no nobody yeah well he uh, looked at you like uh uh-uh. uh yeah. I own that, this it. house he gave me that look <laughs> um Yeah, and there you go. Anyway, yeah, it just um, I felt things when I played that game, Uh, and also like it. It takes place on Long Island, which is where I grew up, so (laughs) that that was that was kind of cool. It was a little extra nostalgia. I mean, weirdly enough, it took place on an island just off of Long Island, which was even weirder. Um, But it was just. It also took place like it it was just really, really good. Everyone should play Perfect Tides. It's it's something very, very different and very unique and very. It's a very special game. And it was her first game too first game
1: yeah yeah we agree it was we did a best of the year list uh, and i think it came in like second or third or so it was like really highly rated yeah it's got a lot of fans so and it needs more
2: well yeah that well they're making uh, she's making another one they are meredith grand i think her name is she's mm-hmm. making yep. another one. it wasn't second and the reason why
0: I'm saying that is because my pixel art game that uh, was number does number two on our list in, in 2022 is, is Norco.
1: That's right. Just, I a, said that one.
0: just a, a a fabulous game. Fabulous game. I mean, I I I rave about it all of the time and people don't want me to rave about it again, <laughs> I'm sure. So we'll just move that run on over to Jack, your turn.
1: You know. I I wrote this list a while ago Mm because you know we talked about doing this for a while, Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm looking at my list, going, "Why did I pick this one?" Okay, the Mm -hmm. first one is going to be my Wajidai game, Mm -hmm. and I got to say, see, I'm sort of stealing two games Mm -hmm. in one turn. But my favorite Wajidai game is the Blackwell Epiphany, and like Dave, I think for a lot of the reasons that that you said, it was just like the sort of the fulfillment of. I mean, I don't know what necessarily what you were trying to do it it just sort of did you know all the best things that you've been doing all along and it just brought everything together so beautifully so wonderfully and yet that's not the game I put on my list I I think it's because uh just because of the quality we were talking about pixel art so the, (laughs) the quality of the pixel art in Unavowed just absolutely blew me away and, oh, thank you. Like Ben Chan. Well, I, I mean
2: this. Ben. Yeah, and of course Ivan Yulianov did the uh, portrait art. But yeah, I'm very the most proud thing about Unavowed. I'm most proud of is that the fact that I pulled it off because it wasn't something. Just the structure of it wasn't something I was sure I could do. I always use like the you know that whole. I, I use the term Bioware because that's the easy shorthand. That Bioware narrative structure. Um, I wasn't sure yeah, I could yeah. pull it off, and the fact that I did is sort of that alone.
1: I'm, I'm just proud of. And you yeah. should be. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I, sorry, I, I fit in two in one answer, but I just, I, I can't disagree with either of those. So. <laughs> I, I looked at, I looked at unavowed on the page, and I went, "How did I not pick the Blackwell Epiphany? That it makes no sense to me. There, there, it's too good, too good to not mention as well." So,
2: thank you. Uh, that's you, Dave. Oh, it's me again. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, in terms of pure pixel art games, um. I really enjoyed Kingdom. It's, um, and King, there's an, another one called Kingdom Two Crowns. Uh, I think it was Raw Fury's first game. It's just got some of the most evocative, beautiful pixel art I've ever seen. And it just, it's, it's very, you know, low res, but it just, it's just beautiful. Like the way everything moves and, ref, and there's reflections and just like you're, you're, you know, a king or queen on a horse kind of going around your kingdom. And it's just, it's so lively and just full of energy and just, it's so beautiful to look at. Um, sadly, it's, it's, it's a, never a game I could, I could play to completion, but you could, I just could get lost in it for a long time. Um, it's great for plane rides, um, but I just, it's just so beautiful. Not an okay. adventure game, but. I'm going to go with.
0: Oh man, um, should I just get my my watch and eye out of the way? Let, let's Go get, for it! Get, I, let's can't, just, I can't. I can't. Let, let's get know? techno techno Babylon out of the way. I know it's one <laughs> hey! that it, it's one that's uh, not one that you worked on particularly yourself. It's but, still uh, one of my favorites. I, I love techno Babylon. If if I was to cheat, uh, I would just say I, the whole uh, the whole Blackwell game catalog.
2: As a whole, but I don't think we can do that. That's uh, that's that's kind I mean, of I, I also consider I mean, there, there's a reason why I only sell Blackwell as a bundle now mm-hmm. because I think it, that's how it should be played is like one like long, yeah, thingy. One long thingy,
1: that's the thingy. technical
0: term.
2: Yeah,
1: that's what that's that's what we'll put them.
0: That's in yeah. our next review. It's a long thingy,
1: it's one yeah. long it's thingy, it's a new sub sub genre, the, the thingy <laughs> adventure. <laughs> uh, I actually. My next game is a thingy because it defies any sort of description. Um, It's called there is no game wrong dimension. And it's just an absolutely fabulous game that, uh, like I said, defies description, defies gameplay. I think that's part of the reason why not enough people know about it. Um, They just it like if you take a look at screenshots, you're going, well, that doesn't look like an adventure game and Hmm. but it is It, it it riffs off all these different genres but in really clever ways that you've never imagined so but it's all like puzzle solving and stuff like that so like don't be fooled by how i mean the pixel art is gorgeous but it doesn't look like an adventure game so i think too many adventure gamers go well not for me um but wrong 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 it is and it's amazing each player
2: hmm is it back to me again it's back to you Back to me again. Okay. Um, oh my god! I just had my next one and then I forgot it. Um, again, no particular order, but I recently—I haven't finished it yet. But I played a game called The Captain, um, oh, yeah, yeah. and it's—it's it's again very. I, I have always love when pixel art, like it's—it's it's kind of when it's le- when they lean into the style, mm-hmm. and The Captain really does that. Like each world you visit, it's a sci-fi game where you play a ship captain. Uh, each world you visit is very simple but very unique each one looks very alien and, and unique and it just sort of leans into this like simple like platformery kind of style but it's it just it's all very evocative it's hard to explain and like this i want to say the story is great but i haven't finished it <laughs> but i was just I, looking I, at that right now I'm like yeah, yeah it might be something i'm interested in it's actually it's really good like the and there's so much because it's like it's all it's not quite like a roguelike it's it's like you have there's tons of of worlds you can visit but you only have a limited time you know because you have to kind of plot your way toward the destination and you you know you stop at each world and you get resources but it's all adventure gamey puzzles adventure gaming mechanics and story each each world has its own story and history whatever and it's all it's it's just so good and because the art is just incredible again uh pixel art i'm gonna go with uh lamplight city (laughs) <laughs> nice.
0: Good stuff games. You know what this is actually one that I more recently played and so it's it's just right there in my head. It's dark, it's gritty and it's just a a, a wonderful story that uh, that I I just wasn't expecting all of this darkness cover it has a way of glowing. Just think mm. about like in the game, like the the lights are on inside, and just it feels like the game is kind of
2: glowing. I just feel, Francisco I just has mm-hmm. leveled up mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. I have like seen him just like from Ben Jordan to Golden Wake to Shardlight to Lamplight City Mm -hmm. and like just seeing his, his, just his art, you know, abilities just grow. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just like really pushed himself hard and it shows he's just done such amazing work.
1: Yeah. Okay. My next one, uh, again, I'm picking ones that don't necessarily look like adventure games, at least at first glance, but uh, to the moon by Freebird Games. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, Gorgeously written games, but also gorgeous uh, looking games, too. Just like really, there are a couple of sequels, story. weren't there? I haven't. What's that? Them.
2: I know there's a couple of sequels. I haven't played them yet, though. Yeah,
1: there are. And you know, of course, I'm totally blanking on them. I'm, <laughs> I had, I'm, I'm terrible on the spot.
2: I had like a moment, like I think it was back in like 2000, whenever that game came out on my website, I briefly had a um, this thing where I, I, there was, if you sold your games via. Plymouth or BMT Micro, you Mm -hmm. could like apply to be an affiliate of someone's game where it's like you could sell it for them on your website in exchange for a small commission. And I played to the moon and I'm like, hey, like I can, could I, you know, do you want to, could I be an affiliate? I'll sell your game. And I thought I was doing him the favor. (laughs) But that game has just like sold 10 times more than all of my games put together. Like he's just, and it's like, it's turning into an anime, like I don't know. He's just like, what he has done is incredible. Yeah. So yeah, good, good yeah. for him.
1: It really huh. is. Finding Paradise and Imposter Factory. Those that's it. That's sequels. it. To make uh, an I RPG. Couldn't, I couldn't maker, let that go. It would have driven me nuts. Just
2: to make an <laughs> RPG Maker style game. I don't think it's. It was RPG Maker, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's RPG Maker anymore. Just to stand out in that market, um, yeah. is is just almost an impossible feat, but he managed. Yeah. Think that's you dave oh i'm me um oh crap what was it what was i oh okay easy dark side detective uh, um yeah, yeah. like it's it's very deliberately <clears throat> low resolution pixel art but this there's so much thought that goes into the art mm-hmm. like uh it's it's again very of like what what they do with so little it's like they manage to create something so vibrant and so colorful and so mm-hmm. fun using yeah big chunky pixels and it's it's lovely what they've been able to do big and chunky gotta make yeah. a big you know you want to yeah.
0: cut yourself on
2: those on the pixels but... the
0: size of cats yeah <laughs> yeah uh that was my choice so i'm gonna pivot i'm gonna have to go with uh, with low-hanging fruit or at least it's a pop a very popular game i'm gonna go with thimbleweed park okay i yeah. I, yeah. I adored 99.89 percent of the game <laughs> and not the ending not not the ending you're not alone but yeah yeah not the ending just mm. wonderful game though i love all of the the different perspectives from from the different characters it's like uh they have the tentacle on on steroids and Ooh. and all the characters were wonderful too so
1: yeah you know i i bet you ron gilbert is is pleased with answers like that you know because we're talking about his, it his endings stick with yeah exactly we're, we're still <laughs> talking about it you know It's not, not forgettable. Love it or hate it. Not, (laughs) not forgettable. Uh, My next one is going to be, I think, uh, Virtuaverse. Um, Now full disclosure, I actually did the English uh, localization editing for that game. But the interesting thing is like all I, when I work on a game like that, all I see is a words on a spreadsheet. That's it. I have no idea what a game looks like or anything else. So um, I'd, sort of gone through most of the scripts by the time i'd ever seen my first screenshot and when i did i was just like blown away it's so uh like gorgeous pixel art very blade runner-esque but uh, and yet distinctive like in its own way too so and uh, the game turned out really well and i always a bonus for me when a game i worked on ends up being good for reasons totally apart from me
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna go with a, an obscure one um I I, again, a game I haven't finished, but it's just so pretty. Um, Gestalt, Steam and Cinder. Uh, (laughs) It's a platformer. It's this steampunk platformer where you play this like redhead lady with like a, you know, who's dressed up like a cowgirl and she goes around with like cyberpunk guns. And it's just so beautiful. It's just a beautiful looking pixel art game. I recently,
0: uh, it's funny, I recently saw this when I was making a, a, I was actually making a YouTube video about this very subject, and I oh. saw that, it just happened to pop up, and, and it looks very, very interesting, and I told yeah, that. Yeah, I never heard of it. Yeah, and I told my friend about it, and he has been enjoying enjoying it ever since.
2: So. I saw it at PAX just mm-hmm. before the pandemic hit in 2020 mm-hmm. and it was supposed to come out that year on the switch. Yeah. It didn't, it's still not out on the switch, but it was, it came out on, on windows on, on PC and I uh, it just looked so fun that I wanted to play it anyway. Um, even though I rarely play games on the PC, but I tried it. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's fun. It's pretty. So <laughs> I've, I've been playing that also an interesting game um, is called, it's called pixel noir. Um and uh, it's it's, yeah. it's it's interesting because the guy who did the art for it is a guy who used to do art for me. Uh his name is Shane Stevens. And Shane oh, yeah. sadly, very sadly, um passed away uh like three years ago. Um mm-hmm. and so he it was this terrible aggressive form of cancer um mm-hmm. and so it's like I, I played it recently even though it's early access it's not out yet mm-hmm. uh because i wanted to see you know his artwork and it's it's just as pretty and, and evocative as always if you so if you liked you know our games like if you liked resonance or techno uh, uh like resonance blackwell convergence or kathy rain and a whole bunch of other games he did so much art in so many other games then you'd like pixel noir too Oh man, that's that's really sad to hear. Sorry, yeah. did I just bring the whole mood down? Yeah.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. Well, let's bring it back up. Let's talk All about right. uh this is a free game. Yeah. And uh it's it's The King's Quest 2, a remake. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, by the at the time they called the the called the company Tierra, remember that? Or AGDI. Yeah. Like, it's, it's AGDI. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh it was I, I never played King's Quest 2 on my own. I've seen like videos and everything except for except for that.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: they made the story amazing of course obviously it's point and click obviously it's uh, updated graphics i mean they
2: couldn't have made the original story worse i'll say that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of an ongoing joke between my friend adventure game geek and
2: i or rather uh, like the original like they managed to take these like separate barely even stories and they managed to connect them in very interesting ways
0: yeah well, they took this and they made this. Uh, this is a top twenty-five adventure game of all time for me.
2: Mm-hmm. It's 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 just beautiful. It's just I, I adore it. it. Shows they can, they can they can actually charming. you know write. They can actually sure. do their own thing. Um, I don't know what they're if they're working on anything now. I know they did Mage's Initiation a yeah. few years ago, um, but I don't know quite what they're doing now. If they're doing anything at all now,
1: yeah, yeah it's, it's a
2: dangerous game. You know, to take
0: something that uh, like a King's Quest game and adjust the story. And they did it and they knocked
2: it out of the park. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. That was that when I when I played that, I was kind of amazed. Mm-hmm. Amazed that they even they, they it felt even felt like. It was funny. I remember playing that, I think it was like 2002, and there were a bunch of fan games that came out around that time there was a a quest for glory fan game Mm -hmm. there was that game that came out and i remember thinking like even at the time thinking wow what a throwback these games are so old man this was like 2002 Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) it it was ahead of but only like three years since the last quest for glory and now i was already considering these games like old and throwbacks so it's like it seems so quaint now (laughs) but because that was like over 20 years ago but you know whatever Maybe we're maybe we're old and throwbacks at this point.
0: Couldn't be. No, nah, not us. Not us.
2: Speak for yourself. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I speak for myself when I say that I'm old. <laughs> Jack, you're up.
1: Yeah, I don't even need to admit that I'm old because you know, <laughs> your eyes are not deceiving you. Um. Yeah, my last one is sort of uh, two games in one just because it recently got a sequel. Uh, Backbone was the original and then the most recent one was Tales the Backbone Preludes. Uh, side scrolling game dystopian future uh vancouver starring a bunch of anthropomorphic animals so like a really unique um approach and and style and just gorgeous art so i
2: keep wanting to play that i don't know why i haven't yet it looks so good it really does again that's probably because it's on the pc although it's on
1: the switch as well switch yeah Yeah. you should get a uh what is it you like about the switch so much dave I could sit on my couch. Ah, uh-huh. so <laughs> not so much that it's
2: handheld. It's just I could I sit over there instead of here. Yeah, <laughs> that's gonna, really the only I'm, difference.
1: I'm going to do a little plug for our own website if you don't mind, because uh, we're doing an upcoming article on the Steam Deck and how various games look and play on that, including some of your games. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: James Spanos he he optimized a lot of our games for the deck. So yeah, that's all yeah, there.
1: and I think it could be a game changer when people start to. Clew in, so adventure gamers are sort of notoriously slow for adopting uh, new technologies. So. <laughs> but well, maybe
2: the the hardcore echo chamber bubble is. But um, yeah,
1: well, I
2: told when
0: when we were talking about doing that, I told Jack, I said, "All right." All jump on the grenade and buy one <laughs> and write it off just for the good of the company. But I know oh, so hard, so hard.
2: <laughs> we, we we value. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah.
0: The, the staff, a couple of our staff members already had it, and yeah, I didn't get the chance. So they blew uh, yeah. it. Yeah, but I'm still I'm still gonna buy it and tell my wife that's what it was for. Oh, she's listening. Sorry, babe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this was a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah. thank you. It was fun for me too. Yeah, it was really neat to have. Feel free head- to edit me so I sound smart.
0: Well, I do it to myself. <laughs> so that's the only way I can kind of squeak, squeak by with all these uh, intelligent people that we have on. I just hope he cuts <laughs> my outside.
1: parts out because I just bring them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, my friend. So, Dave, is there anything that you want to say on the way out?
2: I have, plug? I mean, not really. I mean, I've plugged pretty much everything that needs plugging. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't. I mean, we're having auditions for Nighthawks right now, so Ooh. I don't know when this comes out. But if you haven't auditioned yet free um yeah i mean i guess the, the main thing i i could say is just that i said earlier how no one's more surprised than me that i've lasted this long and i owe so much to everyone who's uh played these games especially you know i kind of i sometimes make fun of like the the uh, the, the bubble the the, the niche yeah. bubble mm-hmm. but honestly if it wasn't for that those you know that those just hardcore people who wanted to play my stuff at the very beginning Uh, and still you know um evangelize our stuff like we would never have gotten anywhere so it's like i'm just so grateful every day that i can continue to do this and (coughs) excuse me um and getting 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 all choked up (laughs) um yeah uh uh, that's really it yeah i'm just thank you everyone out there for supporting us and, you know, believing in our work and, you know, continuing to to buy our stuff and play our stuff and like our stuff and just, you know, I'm grateful every day. Well, we
0: at adventure game hotspot, adore your stuff. And we always, sure. we always have. So where can we find you if we have not found you already?
2: Um, well, I am very online, so I'm not hard mm-hmm. to find. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh for as long as that's still a thing under I Games. That's Wadget with a J, not a G. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a Discord. Um, we, I, I'm on Facebook as well. I mean, basically Google me. You'll find me. I'm not hard to find.
0: <laughs> and we find Jack all the time at AdventureGameHotspot.com. As he mentioned, we have a, a very interesting article coming out tomorrow yep. about the Steam Deck. You want to give us a quick uh, rundown as to what we're going to see this week on Adventure Game Hotspot?
1: honestly I haven't really looked much farther than that but uh yeah we've got a, a whole slate of reviews coming up mm-hmm. we've got uh, uh creepy tale 3 coming we've got uh, a game called tape uh unveiled memories which just came out on switch um and I believe we have a video um feature on Gabriel Knight coming <clears throat> if uh rumors are to be believed so mm-hmm. yeah there's you know so much more than that in the works I'm not sure which comes first or second but it's all coming.
0: And congratulations to to Robert Holmes and Jane Jensen for making the first the first tier of the Kickstarter, and we hope that we get at least one more. Well, if we're hoping, we hope that we get to tier four, which is a a,
2: a new game, right? What that, is that... their Kickstarter?
1: I it's I'm... a son of sequel, a new uh, musical album. For oh, Robert. oh, oh, uh,
2: yes. Him. Okay, I, I didn't know that was both of them. I, I knew that he was doing that. Sorry,
0: but if we get to tier four, which is a million dollars uh, we, we would have got a new game right oh so close <laughs> <laughs> just missed it by that much guys this is adventure game hotspot podcast for jack for dave i am joshua find us anywhere where you consume your podcast find us on youtube like subscribe share yada 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 emphasis on the yada <laughs> we'll see you guys in the next episode so long Take care. thank you